The Rangers rebounded Monday in Ohio, Molly, with a 3-1 win over the Blue Jackets after Sunday's letdown loss to the reeling Canadians. Luckily for them, the playoffs doesn't feature any bad teams, so they should be just fine, right? Yeah, I mean, you never want to let losses pile up against bottom-tier teams, and the Rangers have had some pretty bad games against some pretty bad teams. So, But you could tell that they really wanted to make up for it in Columbus, and, and that's exactly what they did, so you can't argue with it. We'll talk about that, the big game on Thursday ahead at the Garden against the Bruins. The Rangers will try and get revenge against the NHL's best, and Columbus was Molly's final stop around the globe, around the NHL globe. And she'll give us her top five NHL arenas, cities. You won't want to miss that. It's all coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside Rangers beat writer for the Post, Molly Walker. Our Hall of Famer, Larry Brooks, will join us in just a little bit. Molly, the Rangers going to Columbus, Ohio. Your final stop on your NHL World Tour is done. In a couple of minutes, we'll also get your top five NHL arenas around the globe so looking forward to that but they needed that monday after sunday losing to the canadians and a team that you know seems to struggle against bad teams losses to the canadians the blackhawks the senators the ducks the blue jackets the sharks you know they've lost to some lower level last place second and last place teams well they made up they got revenge halak got a win and that was a good one to redeem themselves on monday I always think about the concept of playing down to your opponents and and how easy that must be. So the fact that the Rangers have kind of fallen victim to that a few times this season, which the season has just been anything but normal for them. I mean, it's kind of been all over the place. It kind of just makes sense. Kind of just fits the narrative of this Rangers team this season. And yeah, that game against Montreal on Sunday was kind of a dud Pretty blah, but I think Barclay Goodrow said it best after the game in Columbus. You know, you're you're they were happy that they were able to have a game the very next night so they can wash that taste out of their mouth. And and that's exactly what they did. They took care of business. I wouldn't say they cruised to a win, uh, because the third period was a little lopsided. Uh the Blue Jackets had their push. 
and they scored. <laughs> I think it was just over a minute into the third period. And, you know, for a hot second there as a, as a writer, you're sitting there and you're like, do I keep writing or, you know, because this game can always turn on its head, um, especially with this Rangers team. You never really know what's going to happen, but they pulled it out. They gutted it out and uh, they really needed that one. And and they're just continuing on this pretty nice tear that they're on uh, that's been going on since December 5th. So, uh, that's what they got to do because I'm pretty sure uh, Monday night, every other team in the Metro won as well. So there's quite literally no room for error going forward. And and the Rangers are going to have to pick up point as many points as they possibly can just to stay in the race in the Metropolitan Division. So it was definitely a, a much needed bounce back win. And stats that matter here that only I can provide for, you know, for everyone since the first night of Hanukkah, Halak is four and oh, that's an important stat to notice that you won't get on New York's Rangers stats and info four and oh. And that was something early in the year. We were getting questions every week. Do the Rangers need to get a goalie? And, you know, they also don't have a problem in the AHL. Well, Louis Domingue was AHL goalie of the week. So if Halak were to struggle, they got someone down there. But a good sign that, you know, if God forbid Igor did go down, you know, Halak has played pretty well the last month. I really feel for Halak because I think the game in Columbus was the second time of those four straight wins where he, he gives up a goal in the third period, ends the shutout bid. Uh, he's come so close a couple times now. So I know that's got to sting a little bit for him, but you're right, Jake. I mean, he's, he's been just about as good as they could ask for from their backup. He's been solid. He comes up with saves when they need them. And I've written about it before. I mean, the Rangers needed a backup goalie who is comfortable with a backup role. That was not something that Alex Georgiev was comfortable with. Understandably. I mean, he's, doing pretty well in Colorado for himself. And that's a testament to betting on himself and believing in himself. And you always got to admire that from any t- any player in, it, in any sport. But in order for the Rangers to take that next step, uh, not only just as an organization, but in the playoffs, hopefully, everybody's got to be on the same page. Everybody's got to be on board with their role. Um, and that clearly was something that was not the case for Alexander Georgiev, again, understandably. Um, but Halak is a seasoned veteran. He's been around the block and he is very comfortable in this role. And I think that he's starting to get his feel back for the game and he's looking like a seasoned veteran in goal. And, and that's all the Rangers could ask of him. Well, the Rangers on Thursday got their feel back in about one, the last second of the game. I mean, the one game you're not, you might have been seven martinis deep by then. I don't know. Cosmos, you're updating your IG. Do you still run that Cosmos uh, IG account? <laughs> you know, I got a new phone and I just never logged back into that account. Uh, so we could we could forget that that ever happened. <laughs> right, rest in peace. Just like my King of Astoria food account. I haven't posted in there in like a year. Um, well, Thursday was amazing. Just watching from home. I mean, that was how did it even happen? Like Miller follows up his own shot. It somehow goes in. And then the Adam Fox backhander falling over uh, just less than 90 seconds into OT. I mean, Larry will talk about it a little bit later, but that's one of those moments. Like if the Rangers go on a run, that's like one of the first ones on the highlight reel. The pump up video is that moment like that almost never happens in a hockey game ever in the final second. I mean, of course, it was the one game that I wasn't there for. um, And I all I heard from everybody who was there was that one of the loudest they've ever heard the building before. So I can't imagine how electric it was in there uh, when Keandre followed up his shot. We'll we'll talk about Keandre with Larry in a little bit about his contract. 
Pay the man. Yeah, I know. Honestly, every time Keandre puts the puck in the back of the net, it's just like ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> he's the Daniel Jones of, of the Rangers. Like he's just getting more and more money each week. Oh God. I it's it's very enjoyable to watch. It really is because I know how much not scoring that first goal until more than a few games into the season was weighing on Keandre. And since he finally broke through, just piling on the points, nine points in the last seven games, seven game point streak. Uh, He's just red hot right now on an absolute tear, getting some time on the power play too, which we talked with Larry more than earned. But that's the thing though. It's, it's probably a weird position for the Rangers because to give him that opportunity on the power play, it's only driving up that price tag even more. (laughs) And, you know, all the power to him because he's, he's earning every dollar that he's going to get thrown his way uh, this off season. Great game. No quit in New York, you know, just absolutely playing to that mentality. And uh, that's something that I think wasn't there in the first two months of the season. And I think that was probably the most concerning part about their start to the season is that spark and that fight and that heart just wasn't there, which it seemed to be all of last season, even when they weren't playing that well in the beginning and and Igor was carrying them, they still had that, that oomph, that, you know, something special that I feel like all playoff, you know, contending teams need to have. And it just wasn't there the first two months of the season. But I think that it's really starting to come back. And that win over Dallas is, is the perfect example of, of, uh, that spark. The slogan has returned. There's officially no quit in New York, and hopefully it'll be Miller time for a long time here. We'll see in the offseason, and Larry will talk about that in a few minutes, and he'll also talk about Thursday. You know, we might have another doozy on Thursday. I mean, you want to talk about expensive tickets. I can't imagine it's going to be less than 300 for the nosebleeds on Thursday with the way the Bruins are playing at a historic level. 34, five and four is almost like you can't even do that in a video game, like in a fantasy video game with an all-star roster, we'll lose more games than that. So I'm excited for Thursday, Molly. That's going to be a good one. It's going to be a huge game for the Rangers. Um, They lost to Boston earlier in the season. Uh, It was a different team. Yeah. November 2nd. Yeah. Five to two. Yeah. That was, that was a pretty lopsided game. I mean, Boston manhandled them. I'd go as far as say, but you're right, Jake, completely different team now playing a different way, playing more cohesively. And that's what it's going to take to beat Boston. I mean, they are just on a tear right now. They're one of the greatest starts (laughs) I think I've ever seen since I started watching the NHL. So it's going to be a measuring stick, which I feel like is a phrase that we said a lot last season because the Rangers weren't quite yet considered part of the upper echelon of the NHL, but now they kind of are. But Boston right now is at the tippy top of the NHL. So it's definitely going to be a measuring stick and and an opportunity for them to get some revenge over that last game in November. They're 10 points ahead of the next team in the Hurricanes of the NHL. And their goal differential, Molly, is 32 goals ahead of the next team in the Devils. I mean, that's almost just stupid. I mean, it's just Absolutely ridiculous. So uh, that'll be a good one. Well, Molly, you finished your trip around the globe with Columbus, Ohio. I mean, you could have picked a better location maybe for the last stop on the way, but that'll bring us to this before Larry joins us. You have accumulated your list 
So now we're going to do top five arenas, right? Not cities. We can do both. It's pretty easy. Okay. Let's do both. Separate. Okay. So let's start with your top five cities then, your hockey cities to visit. Okay. All right. This is in no particular order because I could never do that. Um, This is just top five in general. I got to go. Well, you got to have a number one. You have okay, to have one. Fine. Oh. Okay, fine. If I had to go number one, fine. For cities, I can say number one because I actually do have a number one. I love Tampa. I live for Tampa. I don't know what it is. The arena, the hotels I stay at, the area, the food, the atmosphere, the weather. I mean, it's Florida. I mean, you know, you can't really get much better than that. We always seem to go there for New Year's Eve time, so it's perfect to get away from the cold, and and it's always perfectly timed to get some sun in. I love Tampa, and I've spent a lot of time in Tampa as well over the last three seasons with the Islanders going to the conference final twice, and then the Rangers going there last season. Um Gotta Maybe it's Tampa. it's become like a home to you. You've been there so it many has. times. It's like a second home now or third. Seriously, home. I navigate that city like it's my own as if it were New York, you know, so I, I absolutely love Tampa. I love going there. Um, definitely has got to be my number one, but I, I can't rank the rest because I just I just can't. All right, so two through um, five in cities. Okay. Let's go. So Tampa, Vancouver, the views there, the mountains are just, you don't see that every day, let alone in, in a lot of cities. So I think Vancouver is absolutely beautiful. And the Rangers actually go from Carolina straight to Vancouver and they're going to practice for two days in Vancouver. So we're going to get like four days in Vancouver coming up. So I'm really excited for that. Last time I was in Vancouver, it was really rainy, but it was still beautiful. I got to go shopping on the cobblestone streets in downtown Vancouver and I just loved it. So very excited to go back. Next, got to be L.A absolutely loved my time in LA. California was was really fun. The city is very lively. Um, and I do appreciate that. And then got to round it out with Denver and Vegas. You know, Denver is beautiful. I always feel like I'm there during Christmas time. I love the way they decorate the streets and there's Christmas trees on the streets and the restaurants are pretty good too. So I always have a very um, homey feel when I'm in Denver. And then obviously Vegas is an absolute time. <laughs> yeah. Vegas is, I mean, what a what a brilliant idea by the NHL to expand to Vegas because I, I love the market there too. I mean, it's a hockey town. It really is. You Anywhere you go, you see Golden Knight stuff. Um, and I think that was a surprise when I first went there. I, I didn't really expect it to be as gung-ho for hockey as as it ter- as they have turned out to be. So Vegas definitely rounds out that list. I'm sure Magic Mike th- th- has a part in that Vegas. Uh, <laughs> maybe, well, maybe, maybe. Ma- made a few stops there. All right. I kind of like that. Uh, Vancouver is the one that surprised me a little bit. Tampa, I agree. I've been to that arena. Very nice arena. Very modern. And, you know, the weather's always good there. So you can't go wrong. And you're always laying by the hotel pool when you're in Tampa. So you don't exactly get that here. All right. So that's your top five cities. So now what's your number one arena? Number one arena. I actually do have an answer for that too. Again, two to two to five will not be ranked, but number one, I got to give it to Bell Center. I mean, in Montreal, it, it, it gives me goosebumps and like it, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I think about it. There's so much history there. It just feels like the birthplace of hockey almost, you know, like I just get that vibes when I walk into the arena and especially the last time we were there, 
uh, earlier this month. You look at the state of the Canadians right now, and you know they're obviously having a really tough season. You would never know if you went to a game there and listened to the crowd and how into it they are. Every block, every shot gets a reaction from the crowd. And I mean, it's obviously hockey in Canada is is number one. And it really comes through at the Bell Center. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Also, huge bonus points, hot dogs in between the first and oh second period. Oh, my God. Here we go with the hot dogs. No, free hot dogs in between the first and second period. All the writers get up. They go down. They stand on a line. They get their singular hot dog. You're not allowed to bring it back to your seat. You all have to sit <laughs> in one the cafeteria. You can't even part. take a second one if you want. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can. I, I you might. I just never have, but it's just an experience, and and you gotta love that. I so. figured hot dogs factored into the number one ranking, of course, <laughs> to the Glizzy Gladiator well, here. I I love that. That's just like part of their between periods routine. Like that's just I just love that. I just think that's it's fair. so it's great. I I really do appreciate it. All right, two through five. Bell Center is just ugh, amazing. Okay, I'm gonna have two, to visit that one. I, I wouldn't yeah. think that would have been number one, but I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, you know, it didn't become number one really for me. I mean, it's always been one that I love. I, I was there for the draft this past summer, and that was really cool. I loved how they did it. I love that there was you know everything's written in French and. It just really feels like hockey culture, if that makes sense, like the original type of hockey culture. So I love that. Okay, next arenas. I got to go with Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. Double jumbotrons, double the fun. And I love the way that the Kraken branded everything. I mean, from the start, just the way that they listen to the community, to their fans, they just branded that place so well. They have like this escalator that goes down and on either side, it's like holographic. It feels like you're literally going underwater, you know, <laughs> like, and, and they have animals, you know, swimming on and like, it just is so tech and, and very, just very high tech and, and really immerses yourself in the experience and in their Kraken brand, which I just think was an absolute home run on their part. Everything, the name, the jerseys. Love it all. Then I got to go with Little Caesars Arena in Detroit solely because of the media meal. The most variety, the largest spread. It's always rotating with different options. And of course, they always have like every different type of Little Caesars pizza that you could, <laughs> you could ever dream of, um, which is always fun. So that's definitely up there, but mostly because of uh, the food. But the cool thing about Little Caesars Arena is it feels like a ballpark almost. It feels like an indoor ballpark. It feels what I imagine Tropicana Field would feel like, if that makes sense to anybody listening. Um, it just is huge. It's like enclosed uh, in a in a pretty interesting way. So I, I like that place too. Then I got to go with, this is probably going to be a surprise one for a lot of people. I would say Enterprise Center in St. Louis. I do like the media spread there as well. Um, I like the view from the press box. I also had the best three cheese mac and cheese that I've ever had in my entire life in that press box. So easily, definitely up there. And then to round it out, good old mullet arena. And don't come for me. Because I think it's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I get the sentiment that, you know, why do we have NHL players playing in a college arena? And I get it. 
poor planning on the NHL's part, on the Coyotes' part. I mean, they couldn't even keep the lights on in the other arena, and they're going to be there for a few years, but I think it's an experience. And even though the players are sitting on folding chairs, I think that there's something magical about it, very college hockey-esque. Um, and I think some of the players who have come from the college hockey route can appreciate that. And uh, it's always an experience there as well. Interesting. So Mullet Arena makes a list. I, I could see that the intimate setting and you're, it's actually a professional game and not like an AHL game or a minor league game. I could see why that's you know cool for that kind of vibe. Uh, interesting. Well, a guy who may or may not have had a mullet back in his heyday would be Larry Brooks. He joins us next. Up in the blue seats. You got your first career power play goal. Are the other coaches not using you right? Or? I wasn't sure if it was my first or not, but uh, yeah, only took 450 games or whatever it was. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Molly, let's now chat with our Hall of Famer, Larry Brooks. You can follow on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Speaking of Hall of Fame, Larry, last Thursday at the Garden was a Hall of Fame ending. Where does that ending, where does that, you know, the crowd, the the noise rank among some of the loudest and some of the best finishes you've seen? Yeah, you know, it came out of nowhere, you know, pretty much, because as notable and noteworthy and historic as the comeback was, the first 56 minutes, there wasn't very much. I, I was actually thinking back to the game last year where Ryan Lindgren scored with, I think, what, 0.8 seconds to actually win the game for the Rangers. So, but this was, you know, I mean, not only the, you know, they, they tie it up in, in, in the final second, but then the overtime, you know, uh, the way that Fox scored, the, you know, the, it was only about a minute and a half, I think, the overtime, but there there was like an entire night's worth of entertainment packed into that, you know, minute and a half of overtime in the, in the final, you know, 20, 30 seconds of, of regulation. It was crazy. It, it really was just crazy. It was like chaos was breaking out. It was wide open. It was fun. It, it really was. It was, it was a, it was a fun ending. And I think everyone who left the building, like, like you make the point about the crowd, but I think everyone who left the building, got their money's worth that night. They really did. And, they, and they'll come back, you know, um, it, it, was, it was, it was a wild ending. The one game you weren't at Molly, by the way. So Molly is clearly the bad luck charm, of course. I know. I know. Seriously. Speaking of Keandre Miller, um, something I really wanted to ask you, Larry. Uh, I mean, he's just absolutely on fire since he scored his first goal of the season, just absolutely piling on the points, seven game point streak right now, just playing at a, at a different level. Obviously he's the number one restricted free agent for the Rangers going into the off season. So given their cap situation and what Keandre is doing on the ice right now, I guess, what are your thoughts on, on what the contract could be the term, the amount, just what are, what are your speculations at this point? 
It would just be pure speculation. But first, before before we get to that, I, I think actually one of the coach's most astute moves has been now in the last couple of games putting Miller on the second power play unit. Um, he's he you know this is this is and and you know not to get away from the, you know the original question, but this is what players do. They earn time. And not to bring it back to Alexi Lafreniere, where you know, seriously, where uh, you know, and and there's some you know there's some rationale behind saying Lafreniere doesn't get this and Lafreniere doesn't get that and Kako doesn't get this and um, Heedel doesn't get this, but Keandre Miller wasn't getting second power play time either. <laughs> you know, uh, Kraftsoff had been on the second power play unit for a long time now. You know, for three, three and or four Sammy minutes. Blay. Right. And and Blay before that. But but over the last, you know, couple, two, three weeks since since the lineup has kind of solidified, uh, they were using four forwards on the second unit with Kravtsov and Truba was the only defenseman. But Miller has just demanded that time with his with his five on five play and his offensive flair and his ability to finish and his ability to set guys up. So he is now on the second power play unit because he earned the second power play unit time. You know, that's all I'm saying. I don't know about the contract. I've actually been, you know, I'm I'm going to write about it at, at some point in the next uh, little while. And so I have been researching second contracts for defensemen who are coming off entry level and don't have arbitration rights, remember? So they run the gamut. And and I don't have it in front of me, but you know Charlie McAvoy signed a three year deal. I think it was for four nine. Um, is that something that Keandre would be willing to do, or is Keandre looking to hit the six seven eight year home run? I don't know. I do know that you know that the contract is is that putting himself in good position for this contract seems to have been on his mind. So I'm not. I I don't know what kind of a negotiation it's going to be. You know, it's it's very difficult to say, but most defensemen's second contracts are not of the seven, eight year variety. They are shorter. If you want to call them bridge, I don't know that a three year is, is necessarily a bridge, but maybe it is. I'm sure if, if, if Keandre Miller were willing to do Charlie McAvoy's contract, and I think the Rangers would say, hey, Charlie McAvoy, you know, as 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 important as Keandre Miller is. The Rangers, you know, the Rangers can always say, look, you're on our second pair. You know, Charlie McAvoy is considered, you know, a Norris contender every year. I think, though, if 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 and again, I'm I'm, I'm kind of speaking out of my hat because I, you know, I again, this is pure speculation. But I'm guessing that if Andre Miller were to take um, Charlie McAvoy's second contract, the Rangers would be good with that. <laughs> I think, but listen, there are pressures coming from all over, and cap pressures coming from all over. We don't know what Lafreniere's second contract is going to look like. It's hard to imagine it's going to be. It would be much different than Kako's. Lafreniere has better numbers. The numbers from last year certainly better numbers off of his entry level than Kako. So maybe it's a little bit higher. But we don't. But honestly, we don't know. Andre Miller, if if he's open to an offer sheet. That changes changes the dynamic. If Lafreniere is open to an offer sheet, that changes the dynamic. Yeah, you know, there there is a lot. There's a lot for Drury to you know <laughs> that he's going to have to contend with in the offseason, which is again 
why it's so important for guys on, you know, for their younger guys who are on entry level to make splashes. It's it's so important for them that Braden Schneider is an important player at this, you know, at this entry level, because in a couple of years he's coming up. So, you know, they're they're uh, the cap is just squeezing them hard and the hard cap is making it triply difficult for Drury as he goes forward. He has some very, very tough decisions ahead. And also speaking of the power play, Larry and I were just collaborating very, very hard on trying to figure out the statistics of the second power play unit over the last stretch or so. And we came to the conclusion that since December 15th of the 10 power play goals that the Rangers have scored, five of them have come from the second unit, despite two of them being on on an empty net. So I wrote about this today. And I guess Gallant is starting to give the second unit a little bit more time on the ice. And like you mentioned, Larry, putting Keandre Miller, you know, on that unit and, you know, starting to he's not as married to his personnel decisions and timing as he was so much earlier in the season, which is a good thing. But I personally still think that there could be more of a balance. Um, And it's in the numbers that that second unit, uh, regardless who's on there, because they have the talent to, to put on there, they should probably have a little bit more time and a little bit more of an opportunity. I'm just curious how, how you see it. Well, I, I, I see it. Pretty pretty much the same as you do, but but I um I think that when they when they when they go into their bye week, uh, which is coming up um, after the twenty seventh, they're off until their game on the sixth. They you know their bye week precedes the All Star weekend, so they're off for a while. And I listen. I I don't expect the coaching staff to be huddled over their numbers for you know for eight days. I, I think they'll be enjoying. I think they'll be enjoying themselves too, and and they deserve it. But I, you know, I would use that time if I were the coaching staff to take a hard look at the personnel on both units. I don't, you know, not only shouldn't they be married to the minute twenty, minute thirty, first power play unit. I don't think the first power play unit personnel necessarily is 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 the best they can come up with at this point. I'm not sure that Trocheck really fits in the, in the, you know, you put Trocheck the right-hander in and you think he's going to uh, replicate what Ryan Strom did, the right righty. He's not. They're they're different players, completely different players. They're they're, you know, penalty killing units have adjusted to the Zibanejad one-timer. It's it's almost remarkable to me that he is as successful with it. As he's been, I mean, you know, w- there's so much focus on it now, and and as the penalty kill units put more focus on it, the Rangers are putting more focus on it, which t- seems to me to be a you know a bit of a contradiction. They should look somewhere else, maybe. Not that I'm on down on the ice, and and Mika spent a while with me the other day explaining uh, the power play, which I you know it, I, I'm not going to be able to do here, but th- it's clear that that they recognize that penalty kill kill units are attacking them differently. They're pressuring them up top. They're giving them no space at the top um, and they're shading toward Mika. So if, if they're, if they don't have the ability to shift away from that as the first option, then maybe they need to take a look at the personnel. Maybe Philip Hedel should be there instead of Trocek. Maybe Kaka, you know, Kaka, I haven't, I haven't run numbers, but last year, the year before, when there were a couple of injuries, if Strom was out, if if Panarin 
was out. Taco was the player who went in. And the first power play unit, honestly, didn't um, didn't miss much of a beat when when Kako is there. He's he's I mean he's a possession monster at this point. So you know he's going to retrieve the puck. You you know you're going to retrieve the puck. That's not really been a problem for them. Even with this unit, they have a lot of possession time, mostly on the outside. Too often on the outside. But I would take a look honestly at I would take a look at Heedle. I would take a look at Kako. You know I, I would visualize that. I'm not so sure that that Trocheck belongs there, and um, so I would I would certainly contemplate personnel changes. But I I I think until the first power play unit can figure it out, if this is going to be the first power play unit going forward, until they can figure it out, then the second unit certainly has to get more time. And and you know it's 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 something I've been writing about for two years. And, and I remember the first time you know it was it was during the uh, middle of the 2021 season. So because the first power play unit just never came off, they just refused to come off. Now I don't think it's the same. I, I I don't think there's I don't think there's any entitlement to it now. I don't think there's any um, arrogance to it now. Where I, I think there was a couple of years ago. I think now their first unit is is out there because they need they're trying to work on you know they need to work on their game too. So um, what I would like to see once in a while is the second power play unit start. Start. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you know, there it, it doesn't matter if the first, if, you know, if the first line has been on, doesn't matter. They're still coming on for the, you know, start the power play. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if that changes. I'm not sure it's going to change against Boston. The second power play unit right now is earning is earning more time. And if we're going with the theme of speculation, I, I just am curious where Gallant's reluctance is coming from when it comes to balancing the ice time. Part of me feels like he just wants to get that first unit going because we've all seen what that first, when they are clicking, even Trocek being there or not, when that first unit is clicking, I mean, sometimes it's unstoppable. I, I agree. And, and, and you know how he believes in his top players. Whether it's power play, five on five, he rides his top guys. I mean, he believes in them. He he empowers them, um, maybe to a fault at times. And and I and I think so. I mean, I think it was Lou Lamorello who told me this. I'm sure he, you know, I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure he's not the originator of this of this thought and this concept. But you know, he we were talking one day, and he said, you know, your your greatest strengths are your are also your biggest weaknesses. And you know we don't need to go into what those are, um, <laughs> but I think that kind of, I, I you know I think that applies pretty much to everybody. I think that's you know that that's true. And I think one of Gallant's great strengths is is his belief in his players, his belief in his top guys, his belief in veterans who have done it before. But I also think that can be a weakness too. Listen, you know we fans, everyone have picked apart. Every move Gallant has made this year, every game, and yet they're 14-3-2 in their last 19. There's something about them that holds a team together. You know, they play for them. I, I don't know what would have happened if they had lost to St. Louis back on December 5th. I don't know. But they didn't lose that game. You know, they scored three in the third, and they, you know, and that started the 14-3-2 run. So at a time when people were – suggesting that the team was breaking apart, that Gallant, you know, couldn't coach them anymore. Well, he can. 
I, and I think too that there is just we look at it as he has so many options, and um, this this is something that Yager <laughs> said. Yager's Yager's final year with the Rangers, you know, he was going to get a lot of offers. He was going to become a free agent for the first time, and he was going to get a lot of offers. Of course, he went to uh, the KHL, he went to Omsk, and and that's what people expected as as the year evolved. But you know, we were talking. I was talking to him about how many teams might be interested in him when he became a free agent. He said, I don't want so many teams. He said, I don't want so many choices. He said, the more choices you have, the better chance you have of making the wrong one. So, so, you know, so with Gallant, they're just, you know, you want to play Kravtsov, you want to play Lafreniere, you want to play Kako, but, you know, you you need to play Heedle, but you also are giving – Zabanajet 23 minutes, you know, you're, you're going to get Kreider out as often as you can, you know, so there's not enough time to go around forever. And though I, you know, I do pick, I, I don't agree with, with some of his personnel moves. He's done a pretty good job to get this team that really hasn't played all that well, all that consistently into a spot where they have a seven point bulge in a playoff spot right now into a spot where they're going 14, three and two, they beat, you know, it's not that they're just beating up on on bad teams. They beat Carolina. You know, they came back against uh, against a really good Dallas team. They beat Minnesota. So, you know, it's 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 been a fairly reasonable follow up to to last season at this point. I mean, I think they could be better, but for the way they played, I think their record's pretty good. We'll close with this, Larry. The Bruins come to the Garden Thursday. We expect maybe Kreider will be back. We'll see. 34, 5, and 4. I mean, where does this rank among one of the great starts that you've ever covered since covering the league? No, I, listen, they, they, I mean, I, I just wrote the other day, they they have, uh, they're playing at a pace that if if they continue, they, they would have the highest percentage in the modern era. I, I don't expect that. <laughs> Obviously, I don't look at them as the greatest team of all time, but they're, but they're going out and playing. And, and I, um, I think this is going to be a really interesting tool of evaluation for the Rangers. I don't, I don't think you look at one game in January and say, well, that's, that's it that you, but I think this is, this is going to be enlightening for the Rangers to play a team at this level, a team that that goes straight, straight at their opponents. You know, they're, they're, you know, they just come hard and they're deep and they're tough and, and they're skilled so this is going to be a good one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, Thursday will be rocking at the Garden. Make sure you read Larry's coverage in the post and post Sports Plus and at Twitter, NYP underscore Brooksy. Larry, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Six consecutive seasons, 20 goals plus for Mika. But he does an awful lot more than just goal scoring. Yeah, I don't even notice when he scores because he plays real good defensive hockey for us, face-offs, penalty kills. So he does it all, and he had another strong game tonight. All right, Molly, good job from Larry Brooks there. That'll wrap up episode 110 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me produce the show. You can watch this show if you are right now on YouTube. Make sure you give us a thumbs up, comment. What were your favorite NHL arenas? Let us know which ones you like the most. If you agree, disagree with Molly's list, you can 
comment or you can tweet at Molly Walker, two E's, two R's, and tweet me at Jake Brown Radio. And catch up on all old episodes, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Molly, I'm actually going to be an uncle. Some breaking news into the newsroom is uh, I will be Uncle Jake. Oh my God, Mazel tov. I think I'll be a good uncle. I think he'll represent with the bald head, you know. You'll definitely be a funkle. A fun well, there was uncle. a baby at the bar the other day and I just kept squeezing his cheeks and I just, oh, hold it was up. a friend of mine. It was a friend of my baby. They were watching the Rangers game. It was Why is there a baby at the bar uh, though? It was the Giants game, sorry. It was the Giant game and people were watching. I don't know. It, it's a family kind of bar. It's like a big, it's catch a story. So it's a big, big place. I don't know about that one, but yeah, all right. Well, they had the earmuff, the earphones on. So it was noise canceling. So he couldn't hear anything. So the baby was good, but I'm looking forward to it. That's some dedication. <laughs> you got to bring the baby to the bar. <laughs> you got to bring the baby. That's going to be my, what do, what do I, what do I, he's my uh, nephew. Is that what I got? I got to learn the go. names for these. This is new for me. This is new territory. My, you know, my brother's probably going to raise me Yankee fan. I'm going to do my best to try to make him Mets. We'll see what he decides, but uh, yeah, big news. So, you know, I'm still about a decade away, probably at this rate, maybe five to 10 years from one of my own. So I'll take a, uh, I, I'm acting like it's a boy. It could be a girl. I'll raise the girl, the Mets fan. There we go. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Uncle Jake is on the way. Well, thanks everybody for listening. For Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We'll return next week with another new episode. Thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats.